We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. Hey, Shulvan, here you're listening to the Jewish Hour. We've got a wonderful show for you today. Just to keep you in your toes, we open up with a little bit of Hanukkah music because we are in the month of Kislev, and Hanukkah starts at the end of the month, both the month of November, which we're in the beginning of, and the month of Kislev, which we're also in the beginning of. It is Sunday night, Thanksgiving weekend, so that's interesting because... It'll be the last day you can buy Franklin Cider, and that night you'll be lighting your Hanukkah menorah. What a coincidence. Isn't God wonderful? In this half hour of the show, we'll be featuring a rerun of Rabbi Chaim Moshe Burstein wrote a book called Engage, Enthuse, Empower. In the second half of the show, we'll be featuring the highlights into the portion of Vayetze. We're talking about the patriarch Jacob, which can be found in the book of Genesis chapter 29 and following. We've got great music throughout the show. We're not playing really Hanukkah music yet. I just thought to give you a little teaser at the beginning. We have a very interesting story. This one is like, my I went, eyebrows went up to the top of forehead when I saw this story. This is an interesting story all the way at the end of the show. Before we do anything else, let's go right to the news. <laughs> Israel blew up two munitions factories near Damascus. Syria reported that five Iranian nationals were killed. They're not at war with each other, and Syria is not really doing anything but getting its munition, Iranian munitions factories blown up right and left. The U.S. Senate finally confirmed Morgan Stanley Senior Vice President Thomas Nides as President Biden's nominee for ambassador to Israel. It's been 10 months more than 100 political appointees are stuck in committee due to Republican politicking. It's one guy. And reports of anti-Semitism this week, campus police at Arizona State University are investigating the source of anti-Semitic flyers found around campus. A synagogue in Austin, Texas, was set on fire after all sorts of anti-Semitic propaganda was also set around the, the city, and one banner about Jews getting vaxxed or something like that was hung from an overpass near the synagogue. Police are investigating. A black man yelled anti-Semitic hate speech and threw a bottle of juice in the face of a Hasidic woman in Brooklyn. And finally, a fake Torah was destroyed at a Jewish frat house in Georgetown University, there's been all kinds of protests, and Georgetown University Police are investigating this anti-Semitic incident. In other news, New York State passed a law that bans the selling or dis, the, excuse me the selling or displaying of hate symbols on public property. The bill was introduced because a Confederate flag was displayed on a fire truck in Long Island, and from a firehouse window, and finally. 
this is this is like you used to hear stories about this, but this is this actually happened this week. A Syrian military bunker full of ammunition from the 1967 war was uncovered in the Golan Heights, as is IDF minesweepers were clearing a field for mines that were put in that field back in the 73 war. They're still clearing out mines. Could you believe it? From 1973. And that's the news. Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Shulfimen here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. We have Rabbi Chaim Misha Bergstein from Chabad of Farmington Hills on the show today. We're talking about his new book, and power enthuse engage, and if I got that one right. And uh, welcome to the show, Rabbi Bergstein. How are you? Good, thank God. Okay, this this work that you did, um, which I, I'm I was actually quite very. It's very impressive work, and it's there's a lot of thought and consideration that went into this work. Uh, what what was what's the philosophy? Let's talk about this one. What's the philosophy behind this book that makes this a really unique book? Please, Rabbi Bergstein. First of all, that uh, all things are, are are evolved from each other. The way a person, for example, the I know a little bit of handwriting analysis. The way you write your name is also the way you do all other things, uh, especially when you think nobody's looking at them. The way a person learns to think is the way a person also learns to behave. And the behavior is a reflection of the ideology. And, uh, and I, what I discovered was that I was actually thinking in three different ways, also behaving in three different ways. And, uh, and when I got up to speak or when I got up to uh, write something about the Torah, I was looking at things in different ways in three different ways from three different uh, classical uh, sources the the traditional sources of the Talmud and the commentaries the philosophical sources like the Rambam Maimonides and others and and the Hasidic masters and I realized all, all three of them had a different way of approaching things at first I thought it was only regarding questions and therefore by extrapolation and dealing with problems then I discovered, no, just as it, you deal with a problem, you also deal with relationship. There are three different ways or three different steps, if you will, if you want, in dealing in a relationship. Uh, it doesn't make a difference if it's a friend, if it's a business associate, if it's a customer, if it's, uh, if it's a relative, or it's you're looking for a spouse. You're, you have three different levels of relationships, 
and they reflect these three different levels of understanding or approaching the Torah. And I, I was just, I was amazed that this was consistent both in the negative and the positive, and I was, and it was consistent with all the sources. And and I began uh, to write along these these lines because I wanted to share this idea with people, with others. And uh, and of course, uh, it took a while. Uh, I actually did this at a time when uh, suddenly things were uh, collapsing around me. I had I had a lot of time on my hands, and I didn't have what to fill it with. So I started writing on the Torah, and that was about twenty years ago. And then. It was a manuscript, and uh, I had written it. And you know, once you write it, that's it. What, <laughs> what else do you have to do? Then you have to go to the process of actually editing it and getting it out there. In the meantime, God helps, and you have all different kinds of responsibilities, especially as a rabbi or a Chabad rabbi. And and uh, this was put to the side. Finally, I decided, you know, I put so much effort in this. Let let's get this out. And so, the last couple of years, I've had this edited, re-edited several times, and finally. It's there. Uh, okay, so let's. Uh, you, you've, your your title sums it all up: engage, enthuse, and power, as yeah. being these three different disciplines. Could you let's go step by step? What's this okay. idea? What do you mean when you say engage, Rabbi Heimer Shabersky? Okay. okay. So, well, first of all, you can. It, it's it could also be in the negative: avoid, uh, avoid, go above. And transform would be the uh, would be in the negative. Um, let's take for example, you see a lemon. All right, the lemon you've uh, you've tasted it, and it tastes sour, and you don't like sour stuff. So you do the uh, what the commentaries would, would do that if you're dealing with something that's negative, you just avoid it. Go to some place which is positive. Find find yourself some sweet fruit and avoid the lemon. Uh, that would be the engage because you're dealing with the superficial uh, relationship. The, the philosophers looked at things a little more deeply and wanted to see what the long-term benefits or long-term negative elements were from everything. And so they looked at the uh, they looked into the um, into the lemon and discovered, lo and behold, the lemon actually has some some good things to it. So just hold your nose and eat it because the vitamin C will help you prevent scurvy. That's fine. That's that's the that's the philosophical way that you uh, find something about something whether it has some good points on it and and you and you'll follow that line of reasoning. The Hasidic masters always saw the positive even in the negative, and therefore all Hasidim would take a lemon and make lemonade out of it. They would make the negative into a positive. Uh, an example would be let's say you see a a person who is. Uh, totally not like you, totally irreligious, and even disrespectful of your religion. He may even say some things, that are some choice words that you don't like about the fact that you have a beard and that you do crazy things like keep kosher and stuff like that. And so how are you supposed to deal with this person? So the, the classical commentators would say, well, avoid a person, such a wicked person. You got to avoid it. You can't, even, you can't even be in his neighborhood. You can't even look at his face. The philosophers will say, well, wait a second, maybe there's something good about this person. Maybe we can we can get something good from this person, from the relationship with the person. After all, you know, you can't always run away from people. The Hasidim would say, wait a second, this guy, that the stuff that I don't like, that's this external stuff called the body and the, the animal soul. The, the soul is perfect. It's beautiful. So you go over to the guy and says, hey, hey, buddy, how about putting on filler? I'll tell you a story, an interesting story regarding that approach. 
my mother once had this guy who made my mother's life miserable. And I would visit, and he would make my life miserable because he made my mother's life miserable. And one day he was, um, he, he, uh, he started up with me and he started yelling at me. He was going to go ahead and, and, and take my car and, and, and uh, take it to a lot. <laughs> he was going to, uh, my car was in the wrong parking spot, he said. And he was going to go ahead and, and, and bring a, a tow truck and take it away. And so I, he yelled at me, I yelled at him. And then I stopped myself and said, wait a second. What, how have I been taught to deal with a guy like this? So I, I, I went downstairs after we had yelled at each other for about 10 minutes. I said, the name was Mr. Taki. I said, Mr. Taki, how about coming up to my apartment? And then let's talk about it. So he walked up to the apartment. He sat himself down, told me a little bit about himself. I offered him some lemonade and some cookies. And in the middle of our conversation, he starts crying. <laughs> I said, why are you crying? He says, because I'm being so nasty to you and you're being so nice to me. And then I asked him, maybe, you know, when was the last time you put on film? And that was 70 years before. I put on film for the first time in 70 years with this guy. And, and we, we left as friends. I went ahead and I took somebody that was uh, an enemy of my mother, an enemy of mine, who was being nasty, threatening to take my car and, and, and dispose of it somewhere. And all of a sudden, he became my best friend. So the idea of empowerment is transformation. You transform the negative into a positive. And then if you have it in the positive side, you, you meet a person. Let's say you're looking for a, a friend or you're looking for a student. Uh, you know, what is it that you're looking for? So some people would look for people who will support them uh, or people who will, uh, who will hold them in high esteem. Uh, that's the first step. That's called engage. Then oh, there are people that was, who... That, wait a minute, wait a minute. That was the first step, but you said there's three steps in that process of looking at that. That's, that there was, there was like the lemon, which don't eat. The lemon, which is like, okay, I got to eat it, even though I don't like it. And then making yeah. a lemon into lemonade, which is that's what, right. that's, that's what right. the world said. The world says, the old expression, if life leaves you lemons... Uh, make lemonade so that's like that's that's, like, that's what people say turn the negative into a positive that's that's uh... but, that, but that's the, but that's always the Hasidic in other words if you have a question how do you deal with a question or how do you deal with a, with a bully so the, the the classical philosophers will tell you avoid the bully don't go outside just avoid the guy uh, the, the the philosophers will say well you got to go above the guy find yourself an authority a bigger bully and walk with the bigger bully, and he won't be able to touch you. And and the Hasidim will say, make him your friend. Make him your friend. Go ahead and, and learn how to how to get this guy. Maybe you can make him into into a friend of yours, and then you then you don't have an enemy; you just have a friend. Uh, that's that's the three. That's that's the process that Hasidus is different from all other all other philosophies up until uh, until today. The classical philosophers were either engage or enthuse. They were either uh, avoid if it's a negative or just get involved but not too deeply and then the, the philosophers will to see if you can get involved deeply and so on and the and the Hasidim were looking for unity they, they try to find commonality with everybody and commonality with even the, even the furthest the people furthest from them and I, I give you an example in terms of, of, of students there are people who like to have students that uh, are nice, they, they behave nicely, they're smart, and so on. That's the students that they present you in the, on the pictures. They have all pictures, nice faces, and, and, and people who are very neat, and so on and so forth. And, and they also sometimes talk well, and they behave well. Then there are people who are looking for disciples. They're looking for people who become ideologues. They understand your ideology, and they promote your ideology. Not just 
they look nice, they talk nice. You're looking for people who understand what you stand for and are able to articulate it and get other people to believe in that same ideology. The, the third level is you're not looking for people to give ideology, you're not looking for people to be examples. You're looking for people that you can trust to do what you would ordinarily do. In other words, you don't look for uh, people as supporters, people that, that, that make you look better. You're not looking for people to make you more popular. You're looking for people that you can trust to do a job and to do it without looking for themselves. And that's the difference between the Rebbe, Lubavitcher Rebbe, and all other teachers. All other teachers are looking for uh, enthusiasts, you know, uh, adherents, or disciples. The Rebbe was looking for shluchim. He was looking for people he could trust with what he would ordinarily do. He trusted us, empowered us to do things as if it was he himself who was doing it. Okay. And that's the third level. Okay, our it's guest today level. is Rabbi Chaim Meshav Bergstein. He's written a book called Engage, Enthuse, Empower. So it sounds like Rabbi Bergstein, you're kind of like poo-pooing the engage and the enthuse and going right to the empower. So why don't you just call the book Empower? Because you can't always use empower. Now, somebody died, somebody, somebody was injured and lost his hand, got blind, blinded. Since no way can make that positive. It, it can be positive. The Rebbe was able to transform positive, but it's very rare. A person can inspire somebody to look at it as a positive. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to take umbrage with that statement because I was just going to give the example that the Rebbe pointed out that the word handicapped in Hebrew is actually translated as uh, uh, superlative people. These are people who are beyond. They have like other powers, and that there's that's, this that's, this that's happened, true. and that you can do something, and uh, you can't do what you did before, but now you can do this other thing. And the Rebbe always tried to turn this positive, the, put the positive spin on it and try to make that's, make I, the best situation from it. You don't need to be a Rebbe for that. No, but that's, but that is somebody, you need the uh, authority, need the position of Rebbe. You, the first time you, you're dealing with the person, the person is really hurt, lost his child, for example, or, 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 or lost his parent. <laughs> you don't say this is great, this is good. This, some, some, you, you don't try to make something that's tragic into a positive things you have to show empathy you always have to be a mensch and you always have to engage the person first you always have to try together with that person to show the person well maybe there's something we can learn from this that that's later the first thing you need to do is engage the person hello yes uh, so uh, so this is the first thing you need to do you have to engage the person after you engage the person then you can go ahead and see something deeper and, and together you can you can look at this in a deeper way but the first thing you need to do is be a mensch there is no best way of dealing with things empowerment is the ultimate but only after you've gone through the other two steps uh, i'll give you an example uh, you you met your wife your wife is a wonderful woman we know her she's multi-talented she's a great lady um thank you when you met the first thing was you began to talk small, small talk you began to see whether you get along whether you're attracted whether where there was a mutual, uh, you know, enjoyment of, of, of company. But then you began to look more deeply to see if this could be long-lasting because you had to see if your goals in life were similar. If you looked at life and what you wanted out of life, if, if, if they were the same, that would be the, empower, the, enthu, the enthuse element, the long-term elements of it. But the final step of a marriage is, do you trust your partner implicitly? Will your partner do for you as if you were doing for yourself? If, if you had Bill Gates's money and you got sick, 
would you be able to trust your spouse that she wouldn't pull the plug just to get your money? That is the, is, is the level of trust that a person ultimately has to have with his spouse. And that's the level of empowerment. You trust the other person as if the person was yourself. With the, you, you trust implicitly that that person would only do what you yourself would do. And, that's, and by the way, that's what the Rebbe had with us. You and I, our shluchim, the Rebbe trusted us that we would never violate his standards of behavior. That we'd always do what the Rebbe would want us to do because he had that trust in us. And that, that's what makes the, the, uh, the person who is called a shliach, an em- agent or an emissary, different than just a student or a disciple. Because as a disciple, you can, you, can, you can understand the ideology. You can even promote the ideology. That doesn't mean you follow through. The, the idea of a shliach is you would always do what the Rebbe would want you to do at that moment. And that's, what a, a, you, that's the trust that you have in a spouse, the trust that you have in a child who really loves you like you love yourself. So then are that you... Level, not, Go ahead, that level the ultimate level. So uh, it doesn't start with that. It starts with engage, it goes on to enthuse, and then gets to empower. Okay. You don't start with empower right away. So then are you saying, Rabbi Bergstein, that a goal should be that anybody who we, with whom we come in contact and would include in our circle of contacts, that we should be to the ability like to empower them to, uh, to be engaged with us. To empower them to do to the world or for the world exactly as we ourselves would do. We give them the, we give them the ideology. We give them what we consider to be the purpose of life. And then if we know that they've absorbed the lesson properly, we trust them to do exactly as we ourselves would do. But you have to be careful who you give that license to. You have to be careful who becomes your shliach. You, you can't just give it to anybody because there could be people who would deviate from what is correct and what is proper. So you, you, you obviously have to be discerning. But our goal would be to create a unity of the world, that we would all stand for the same ideals, that we would trust each other, that we, could, we would care for each other as if we were caring for ourselves. And that's the ultimate goal of life. That's the ultimate goal of Mashiach, to create this harmony in the world, that we could love each other as if as we love ourselves. We could, we could trust each other as we trust ourselves, that we, would, we, would, we know that the other person was there for us as we are for ourselves. Okay, our guest today is Rabbi Chaim Eshavarusin of Chabad of Farmington Hills. It's written a book called Engage, Enthuse, and Power. Okay, this all sounds very good for you and I. We're rabbis. What about Joe on the street? Is this something for him also? He's the one who's trying to get enthused rather than to enthuse. Okay. Uh, well, Joe, the Joe on the street, um, has to there are times when you have to go ahead and empower other people. There's times when you have to learn to trust other people. You have to just know whom to trust. But ultimately, we need to empower others. We do this all the time. We, we write wills. Uh, we, we, uh, we engage in contracts. We have to have uh, a certain uh, commonality with the people that we engage in. We have to protect ourselves. But ultimately, we're not looking for the protection. We're looking for relationships with people 
whom we feel would, would act in our best interest as we would do for them totally. And that's a very, very high standard, but everybody can reach that level if you understand why we have to be that way. The reason why we have to be that way is because we are all a part of God. There is no separation between ourselves and any person in this world, every person in this world, everything in the universe is created by God and therefore is there for a purpose, not just for ourselves. If we can go out of ourselves, we can crawl out of our skins for a moment and realize that we're here not just for ourselves. We're here to make the world better. It's called Tikkun Olam. But we really are looking to make the world better. We're not really looking just for ourselves. We start off looking for ourselves, but ultimately we come to a point and realize we're not here for ourselves. We're here to make things better when and every person can reach this level. Every person can transform the world, can make every lemon into a lemonade. Every person can do that. And not just to make it pleasant for yourself, but to make the world a better place. Okay, let's let's talk about, it seems like the theme of the book is geared on learning. You draw lessons from the, directly from the Torah. So how do we apply this to somebody who is anywhere between erudite scholar to rank beginner and their engagement in Jewish uh, thought and philosophy? And even for the, the non-Jews who are listening, when they want to engage in some sort of knowledge-based something, which the purpose of learning knowledge is really become a better person, Rabbi Bergstein. Okay. So... The first thing that you have to realize is that there is no such thing as an element in the Torah that you can't use to better yourself. The study of the Torah has, as a result of that study, the betterment of the person. That's its ultimate goal. And so the process of studying Torah is should not be seen as just an intellectual element, but should be seen as part of the process of self-growth, of, of growing to be a better person. How you study Torah will always also reflect how you deal with things. When you deal with things um, that are uh, superficial or, you know, uh, initial uh, reaction, or even when you see the utilitarian value of things, that's the first levels of engage and enthuse. If that's where you, that, that's how you study, that's how you will approach uh, things in your life. When, when a neighborhood becomes a little bit uh, uncomfortable, uh, the first re re response is, is to move. Um, and, and that's what happened in the 60s and 70s in various parts of this country. And I won't go into the things, but this is what happened. People ran away because they were only in the process of engaging. Whatever was pleasant, whatever was convenient, that's what I did. If it's not convenient, then I'll just go elsewhere. Then there are people who look to see if there's a way for me to remain and to and to grow, and that would be the enthused. Uh, the the people who who remain and not are undaunted are people who believe that that ultimately there is no such thing as 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 a bad neighborhood. There's no such thing as 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 bad people. There is only opportunity to make it better. Sometimes you can do it. Sometimes you can't. But we we see, for example. The Rebbe refused to run away when others ran away in Crown Heights. Now, today, Crown Heights is one of the 
uh, one of the most burgeoning neighborhoods in the country. Uh, real estate in Grand Heights is through the roof. Uh, the, the, the neighborhood has become a place where people can enjoy being. You can walk throughout the neighborhood, walk even to Bed-Stuy. You can walk through Bedford-Stuyvesant. When we were growing up, Rabbi Fidman, policemen were afraid to walk there. Today, you can be in Bed-Stuy at midnight and, and people walk around and enjoy themselves because people have learned to transform the neighborhood, to transform their conditions. People have learned to get along with each other in a different way. And, and that's, that's the ultimate goal. By learning Torah in this way, by seeing how you're supposed to make the world better. How do you make the world better? You start in little things. I, I eat the right thing. I only keep kosher. I, I transform the way I eat. I transform the way I do business. I transform the way I relate to people. You know, when you have healthy people, you have healthy neighborhoods. When you have healthy neighborhoods, you have healthy cities, and so on and so forth. That's how you transform. You don't transform the world uh, because you're, you decide you want to transform the world. That's only for somebody as big as Mashiach. We transform the world one step at a time, each person on their own. So each person learning Torah, the Torah is not meant as an intellectual ex exercise. It's meant to be real and to be part of life. And it teaches us how we're supposed to deal with life. And when you take the teachings of the Hasidic doctrine, that we're supposed to look at everything, at what its purpose is, and to see the good that's there, and not to see the outward shell, then you can transform your biggest opponent to your best friend. That's wonderful. Okay, that's great. Again, our guest today has been Rabbi Chaim Bergstein. The book is called Engage, Enthuse, Empower, and I'm assuming that it's available on Amazon and wherever one procures fine Jewish books. Not um, yet. Not Amazon, we haven't, we haven't gotten there yet. Uh, so I can I, give you, you have, you have my cell number. If people want the book, I have some, some, some books left. We only printed a small amount. If we have a demand for it, we will do a second printing and a third printing, hopefully. But, uh, you know, I, I didn't know whether people will want copies or not. So uh, I, I had I made only a certain number of books. They're not enough to, to put on Amazon. But if you call me, uh, 248-613-1809, I will, I will see whether I can fulfill the, fill the order. If I get orders beyond that, I will actually reprint the book. Okay. Thank you. Again, the number is 613-1809. And if you didn't catch that... Go to the website. Uh, what's your website at uh, Beis Chabad? Have I ever seen? It's Chabad of Farmington Hills. Chabad of Farmington Hills. Okay, I want to thank you so much, and uh, we'll keep us apprised of future endeavors. Good Shabbos to you, Reb Okay, take care. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Want assurance of quality and excellence in kosher? Look for the Michigan K on the label. What's it look like? The Lower Peninsula of Michigan with a K. It's the symbol of the Michigan Kosher Supervisors. Go to their website, mycosup.com. That's M-I for Michigan, K-O for kosher, and S-U-P for supervisors, mycosup.com, and find this month's featured products. You'll find Michigan K products wherever fine food is sold, especially at Natural Food Patch on West Nine Mile Road in Ferndale. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. I thought that was a really insightful, wonderful, and entertaining interview. I hope you did as well. Any feedback? Well, do that to rabbifinman.com. Love to hear about it. Up next, for your listening pleasure, this is brand new. This is Eighth Day, and the song is called Lucky.
chosen. It's not where you've been, it's where you're going. The last rung on the ladder, you're the queen of batter. Every clock that ticks is telling me this is our time. Lucky our way. I'm a good volcano. Oh, my no, you're going to lay low. Oh, my, you're for you to shall say no. Oh, my, you're for you to shall say no. Lucky, lucky, are we? Lucky, lucky, are we? Playing our notes in the symphony. Making the world. Puzzles coming clear. Every last piece is needed Long here. Soldier, Uber driver, part-time graphic designer. Any clock that ticks is telling me this is our time. Lucky our way. Oh my good volcano. Oh my no, you're going to lay no. Oh my yeah for you, shall say no. Oh my yeah for you, shall say no. Lucky, lucky, are we? Lucky, lucky, are we? Playing our notes in the symphony, making the world. Some things are better the way they used to be, like the crisp feel of a cool autumn day, the serenity of a baby sleeping, or the feeling of coming home after a long trip. Franklin Cider Mills makes cider the way cider is supposed to be. Its old-fashioned, clear, crisp taste reminds you of a cool autumn day. Located in the heart of historic Franklin Village at 14 Mile and Franklin Road, Franklin Cider Mill has been making cider the same way for over a century, always fresh, with no additives or preservatives. You just can't buy Franklin Cider in any supermarket. Franklin Cider Mill is open from Labor Day weekend to after Thanksgiving from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. Come visit Franklin Cider Mill. It's kind of like coming home. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Up next, this is a very interesting piece. This is the Israeli Philharmonic. They played at a festival this last summer in one of the cities in Israel someplace. It's an outdoor festival. And they decided that in everything else that they were going to play, they were going to play a klezmer tune. And this is it. It is simply called Freilich.
And that was Freilich. Freilich means a happy song. And that's what that was. That was a happy song. And that was Israel Philharmonic. Up next, brand new. We, we want to stay cutting edge. This is Joey Newcomb and Benny Friedman did a collaboration. The song is called Different. We may all look different, yet inside we're much the same. Different faces, different names. Can we still share joy and pain? We may all feel different. But we share a beating heart Why should we be torn apart From each other We may all think different And at times we don't agree Can we understand and see That we're still a family We may all be different But in learning to respect We can heal and reconnect To each other In a world that is crying out in pain You and I are the ones who can make things change If I dare to reach out Can we bridge the difference? Maybe reach across the aisle Shake a hand or give a smile It'll all be worth the while Cause we're not so different Let's accept a fellow Jew And there's nothing I won't do For my brother In a world that is crying out in pain, that is crying out in pain. you and I are the ones who can make things change. If I dare to reach out to you, will you cross the Join side 
peace and the harmony are a vessel that holds. Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman here. You are listening to the Jewish Hour. This week in the synagogue, we'll, they will be reading, we will be reading the portion of Vayetze Yaakov, uh, which is in Genesis chapter 29 follows. The first verse starts, and Jacob left Beersheba, and he went to Haran. Rashi, the classic biblical commentary, notes that we know that Jacob was living in Beersheba. Why does it need to say that he left Beersheba? Now, let's just give a little bit of background before to the, understand the question. The rule is that if there's something that you understand by yourself, the Torah doesn't say it. It doesn't say anywhere in the Bible that the sky is blue because you look up, you see, the sky is blue. So it doesn't need to say that Jacob left Beersheba. All it needs to say is, Yaakov, or Jacob, went to Haran, and we would understand. Okay, same way, like, for example, when there was a drought during the times of Jacob's father, Isaac, Yitzchak, it says, Vayeshev Yitzchak Bergar, and Isaac lived in Gerar. It doesn't say he moved from Beersheba to Gerar. It says he just he was living in Gerar. We knew that where he was living before why with Jacob was it different? So Rashi answers that when a tzaddik leaves a place, it leaves a trace. His presence is still felt on that place. So it says that Jacob left Beersheba because when Jacob left Beersheba, people in Beersheba felt the loss. They felt something was missing. The Torah it's not a history book. And for sure, it's not a storybook. Even though those are really good Bible stories we're in now. In this week's portion, we have the birth of the 12 tribes. All kinds of stuff going on over there in that portion there. The Torah is a lesson book. What lesson does it teach us? People find themselves, by divine providence in whatever place they happen to find themselves. It is not by mere coincidence or happenstance that you live where you live, and you work where you live, and you go where you go. All of that is under the dictums and guise of the Almighty and His infinite wisdom, saying, oh, time for this person to be at this point right now. 
So a person will find themselves in any certain specific place to make that place better. You have no idea why you were there, how you're there, whatever it is. You happen to be where you are because you have to make that place better. And the Almighty has deemed that this is one of the things you're going to do in the course of your lifetime is make that place better. So what should happen then? If you're in a place and you're making that place better, when it comes to the point where you have done all that you can do there, and you, the place is as good as you can make it. We're not saying that you made the place perfect. It's not. It's uh, one of those expressions from the, from our sages and Perkeavos and ethics of our fathers. It's not up to you to finish the job. It's just us to do whatever we need to do. So when the time comes, when a person, his person's ability to make that place, that specific spot, any better, they move on. What should happen is because the person made that place better, when that person leaves, it should leave a trace. Oh, look, this place, not that there's a void. It doesn't say that that Beersheba had a void. It said that he left there, meaning that the place was in a state where it was better than before he was there. We have to take this lesson to heart and also make it such that wherever we find ourselves, that we make it as best as it could be. I was last week, I was at the International Shluchim Convention. This is a, a, a rabbi convention in New York held every year. This year, the population was down because of post-COVID. It was only 3,000 participants. One of the resolutions of this conference was that each one of us, and the, the, this, this specific Lubavitch Shluchim, there are 5,300 and there are 5,387, 5,300 and something, almost 5,400 rabbis around the world. And we were told to take upon ourselves to encourage 10 people. Okay, you're one of the persons listening, so you're one of the 10. What should you do? You should encourage 10 people. I'm sure you know 10 people. And what should you do with these 10 people? You should encourage them to do a mitzvah, to do a good deed, do something better. Okay, if you're not Jewish, then you don't have to worry about the 613 commandments. But there's a lot of non-Jews out there still have to make the world a better place. Seven and a half billion of them. So you too, you can you can convince your friends, you should first of all do a good deed that you normally wouldn't have done, and convince 10 people that they should do a good deed, and also convince those 10 people that they should convince 10 people. So what you've done is you've convinced a thousand people to do a thousand good deeds. And in the course of no time, we'll have millions of good deeds coming. And not only is it that it's like, a, you can say it sounds like a pyramid scheme. Yes, well, it is. Because when you do a commandment, when you do a mitzvah, when you do a good deed, there's a certain something in it for, for you. If you encourage someone else to do a good deed, then not only do they get the certain something, but you also get it. 
And if they, because of you, encourage someone else to go do a good deed, so not only is it that the person who did the good deed who did it, but also the person who encouraged them, and also the person who encouraged the encourager all get a piece of the action. Eventually, what we're looking at is that Maimonides says that the world's like on a big balance, good and evil. And when good will so totally outweigh evil, Mashiach comes. And this is what we're really working for. We want the end game already. It's enough. It's 5,782 years that we are trying to bring the Mashiach. So maybe this little push might be just what it takes. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we will be right back. Don't go away. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Hi, this is Spex Howard. The Spex Howard School of Media Arts is proud to have been a sponsor of The Jewish Hour and bring quality radio programming to the community. While much of the funding comes from its sponsors, listeners like you help keep The Jewish Hour on the air. Please send your tax-deductible donation to The Jewish Hour, 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. That's 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. Your help is greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Want to get in touch with me? RabbiFinman.com. What's on RabbiFinman.com? We have archived editions of the show. We know the routine already. We have the uh, way to contact me. We have the different ways in which we present Judaism. We have the very important donations page. We didn't pay for October yet. So we're hoping that you'll step up and go to the donations page. We have October and November to pay. So if we're talking about doing a good deed, I can encourage you to go to RabbiFinman.com and give charity by contributing to the upkeep of the Jewish Hour, which has been on air for 26 years plus. And then go tell your friend, hey, listen to this show that's available on RabbiFinman.com and iTunes and Spotify and uh, what did iHeartRadio become, uh, whatever it became. And uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, it's all there. Do it today. Don't like doing internet giving? Fine. Mail your, or drop off if you want, your contribution to the Jewish Hour to the Jewish Hour, 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. Do it today so we can pay off October. People at Salem are very patient. One time I was four months behind. Nobody said anything. I felt really bad. But we managed to get it paid off only through help like yours. And uh, we're, we're generally current. I would love it to be such that we paid off October and November this, this week so that you get a longer Hasidic story. I don't have to make a pledge. I did that once. Happened in 26 years. There was one month. There were two weeks we, that I said a story without saying the request to send money because it had been paid. So thank you very much for that one. And we'd like to continue that tradition. We're running out of time really quick. This story involves Reb David of Lelov. He's known as the Lelov Rebbe. I think he was the grandfather of the Boyana Rebbe. And he was a student of the Chayz of Lublin. So he was taking us back to the early 1800s. He was traveling to go visit the Chayz, and he stops off at a friend's house. The friend, unfortunately, is not named, which is really bothersome to me in this story because... The friend says to his wife, make our illustrious guest dinner. Okay, 
Now, this guy was dirt poor. When you, you don't understand abject poverty, but this was dirt poor. Okay, what did they have in the house? They had some flour. Woman had no oil, no nothing, no nothing. She didn't have firewood. She had to go out and collect sticks in the forest to make a fire. And she took the the uh, flour and mixed it with water. And if you make flour and water and you heat it up, I think you get hot paste. I don't know what this could have been. And he served it to she served it to them. And this uh, David Lelliver was enthralled. And when he got home, he told his wife that he had this food at his guest's house, that his host's house, that tasted like the Garden of Eden. Now, the Lelliver Rebbe's wife knew that he's not a foodie. He doesn't get excited about food. But this made him excited. So she went to talk to the, the Lelliver Rebbe's friend's wife. She said, what'd you do? How'd you cook it? She said, listen, all I had was flour and water. And as I'm standing there stirring the pot, I started to feel really bad that this is such an illustrious guest. And all I had him was, was glue. So I said, I started to pray. This is what I have. This is what you've given me. You, however, have a full cabinet of spices. You even have the spices from the Garden of Eden. So why, please, don't you, for the sake of my guest, put in some of the spice of the Garden of Eden. And evidently, that's what happened. That's going to do it for the week. We hope we had a, we hope we <laughs> had a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope you had a chance to educate you a bit. We hope to see you back again next week. Take care. Superstar, no matter near or far, he's beside you. He's behind you. The dreaming about the finishing and winning. Gathering holy sparks up at the ending. From the little Nakudas that was in us Separating the real from the pretenders Not a contender, the holy one on my speed dial We've been conversating